Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Taylor Talks. We're stepping up our game here. We're now taking what used to be what I thought was going to be a podcast into an actual video call and video conversation here. And I'm excited to have a great friend of mine. We've been friends for several years now. We've got to know each other through work and now personally. And I want to introduce you to Craig Vadura. How's it going? Good. How are you, Taylor? Thanks for having me on. You bet. So I've kind of been re-energized here with, with everyone being quarantined at home and producing a lot of content, not only with you know what I do professionally, but I wanted to to put something together and have conversations with friends and content creators to to help other people see the value and you know get excited about creating content, especially during this time. So why don't you go ahead and, and do a quick kind of brief background in, in your career and personally where you grew up and, and how you ended up in Aurora, Nebraska. Yeah, well, like Taylor said, my name is Craig Bader. I'm the K through 12 technology coach here at Aurora Public Schools. This is my 20th year, wrapping up my 20th year. I never would have expected to wrap it up this way, but uh, it's it's been a been a fun journey. I taught for 11 years at uh, Carroll Centura, a school that I actually graduated from. And the, probably the best thing I ever did was left there, got out of the nest, and uh, went to uh, York, Nebraska, and served as an integration specialist for two years there at the elementary. And then Aurora, and here I am, eight years later. Was there a moment growing up? You know, we know each other, so we're we're going to keep this professional here. But was there a moment growing up? that you kind of fell in love with technology like where does that where does that come from where does you know i growing up i was a nerd i i knew that kind of as i started to get into middle school and things like that but or was it more just okay hey i'm really good at technology and i and i love teaching i want to teach others how to use tech I think the teaching part really was was the big thing i really fell in love with technology probably my second year uh, at carol centura when we were teaching there we wrote a grant for a a laptop, uh, a card of laptops, Mr. Brown and I did. And he was a uh, former former teacher of mine and we got to co-teach. And so we got together and wrote this grant and really the rest is history there. And then I got to give a shout out to Dr. Mike Lucas of Westside for seeing uh, in my interview over at York, I had applied for a social studies position for middle school. And and uh, when I walked out of there, he said, we, we have a position that we think that you would fit. It's kind of unique and you're going to be our, our librarian or a librarian, as I called myself and work with kids with technology. And you know, the rest, otherwise I'd probably still be teaching social studies somewhere, but you know, thanks to Mike and Chris Friesen and Brian Tonages and, and Mitch Bartholomew over there, they saw some in my interview and, and the rest is history. Was that one of those first kind of positions? I know it was kind of created, it was like a library media specialist turned into, yeah. okay, we've got this card of laptops. We've got to have someone teaching not only staff how to use it or not only students, but staff as well. Yeah, I think so. I think Mike was, you know, he's a visionary there. And I got to give a shout out to my current administration too at Aurora because, and the staff there, because when I was at York for two years, they were, Aurora was kicking around the idea of going one-on-one with iPads and the teachers and the admin said, you know, well, let's slow down. Let's get, let's get a person in here that's going to show us how to use the technology effectively in the classrooms. And so, and and that was kind of nice. Me seeing that whole process where they hired me, had me come in and do some stuff with teachers and then hit the ground running once the iPads were deployed. So I want to talk a little a little about professionally, but we're going to dive into more personal things uh, because you're a very dynamic character, online celebrity, as as many know, all the people that are going to be watching this uh, recording. But 
you, you know, we started working together through through Strive and getting students involved. Then we start class intercom. You're one of the first person, you know, people that I went to, you and Cameron Hudson, and said, you know, you were doing takeover, Twitter takeovers, and literally handing over an iPad to students and kind of casted that vision for what we're really trying to do uh, before we had a tool to kind of help safely execute that. And I remember going in, it was before state basketball. I don't know if you remember that with you and Mr. Kittle and kind of yeah. pitching to you guys, hey, what do you think about using something like this? You guys, I said, hey, try it out. Uh, we just need some feedback right now. And now looking at what you're doing now with your social media team, I know that looks different now. And I want to talk about that. But take us through the progression. And and I know you, you're pretty candid with me and said, I kind of like handing them over that iPad because it you know, gives them that authentic, real, you know, experience. Uh, but you kind of grew into it, got more students involved and understand it, re help reduce that risk. But, you know, what has that done for you and, and kind of energized you in your role? Well, I guess I just, I love the fact that, you know, I had administration that believed in, you know, in trying something like that when we did the Twitter takeovers and right? I went at that crazy idea of turning our school district Twitter account over to a student, logging into their iPad, and saying good luck, kind of give them some guidance. I had a printout for kids and and it was really fun. It was organic. And so I think a lot of times in school PR, we get people that we may hire outside of our districts that don't really have a feel for the culture uh, of the school and kind of the, the vibe of the school. And so there's nobody better in your school district than to let your kids tell your story. And so and I think you have to get very creative with what you get because too often I think we'll take, you know, these are our senior school leaders. We're just going to take those kids. But um, I have a group of five, uh, six, six sophomores as my social media team. And I'm really stoked about that because I get to be with those kids for the next two years and start next week. We're going to do uh, some senior showcases for our seniors in social media. And those kids are just really uh, craving making to make content right now. And so it's fun to, to work alongside those kids and see how much they grew this year. And I think you got in on the front end of that where, you know, we were pretty raw at the start. And, you know, too often we say these kids know how to do all this stuff and they don't. And so, you know, sometimes it takes that guy by the side where you or me can talk to those kids or another teacher and kind of give them some ideas to create content. But when they come up with natural ideas, you know, and I, I just a couple of weeks ago, I'll give you an example. We want to do these senior showcase and the kids were saying, Mr. Burr, let's create some content. We're, we want to be creating content. And so I said, OK, I saw some of their senior showcases going on on Twitter and I basically told Noah, I said, no, I need a Google form made up. Uh, we need to send it to seniors. Get that to me by noon today. Within 20 minutes, had it done. Uh, wow. I got to give out to Kaylee. Happy birthday. If you're watching this, it's her birthday today. I know it won't be live, but uh, yeah. Kaylee, I need two templates. Make them up in Canada. Give me something that you created that and share it with the team. And we chose one and we're going to start dropping them next week. And so it's just been neat, that whole process of working with these kids and and the independence. And so, you know, we're teaching them skills that <laughs> the, the four C's, these kids all the time in, in, in our seminar class, we're working on and creating this content. So it's, it's been a, just a, an awesome, awesome journey with these kids. How is, how has it energized you? And I feel like it's kind of refreshed you and in, in the content you create and, and also taken kind of the pressure off because you were kind of creating a lot of the content for the school to empower them what has that done for you personally and, and uh, you know, you teaching them how to, to do yeah. the things you're skilled at? Well, it's just, I guess I shared some of the stuff, some of my tips and tricks, but the, the neat thing about it is I learned some stuff and some apps and some ways to some shortcuts and the way kids work with some of our pictures and photos. 
I'm learning this from a 16 year old. I'm almost 50 years old. And so that's been energizing to me that I'm, I'm a learner as well myself. And, and I've often, you know, I think after my third year of teaching social studies, I realized that I can't keep doing the same thing year in and year out and I got to be able to change. And so I've always tried to embrace that philosophy of, of trying to think what I'm going to do differently. And in fact, this morning I was just jotting some notes in Google Keep with my digital innovations class in my eighth grade class thinking, what am I going to do different last year? Because I know I had mentioned some things with you a couple years ago about how I wanted to have a content creator in my eighth grade class each week and document what we did in the class. And so I really want to try to do that this year instead of just doing some of the stuff. You know, I have my Google slide presentation made up and I could go through that. It would be easy to do that for nine weeks with these kids, but that wouldn't be fair to them. And for me, it would be too comfortable. So I'm going to try to get out of my comfort zone with that. I love that. And I, I love how we can be learning from students. That's typically not, you know, what a, a point of view for a teacher, right? Uh, the good ones, the good ones do. And that doesn't work in a lot of other types of classes either. And I think, you know, that's, that's my mission in, in life and what we're trying to do with, with the, uh, you know, the businesses we started and thankful that we have educators like you to, to execute on that and take those ideas and get them into the hands of students. And it's been a joy to see uh, not only as a friend, but, you know, working with you professionally to, to see those students and how much they have come and grown. You know, that day I came and, you know, working with them with the graphics to yeah. them creating a brand guide like those are real world, you know, type of skills that the students they're going to be able to translate into the into the workforce and whatever they do, they start their own business. I know some of their parents have businesses. They'll be able to manage, you know, people's social media because of the ex experience. And that just gets me jacked up. And that's the, the biggest piece I think for me is when kids take ownership in it. Yeah. When we're working on the design graphics and, you know, the, the process of when we started to where we're at now has been just, and I was so stoked to our need a presentation with our kids. And then I know do that because I wanted to get them in front of a room of 150 teachers and say, look at what we did. And I don't think they really, I, it was getting close to time, you know, we we're starting to prep. And I, I told them, I said, you guys got to be ready. There's going to be a bunch of people here watching you. You got to own this. And they were super stoked to say, this is, this is our standard. This is what we've created. And two years from now, it's going to be neat to see them handed off to a, another group of hopefully sophomore seminar kids and say, you're the future. Here's the basis. Here's the foundation. You have to keep building it. So that's just real authentic learning. Like you talked about right there, where it, it's going to parlay into the, into the workforce when they go get jobs or go to college. Absolutely. All right. That's, that's the professional side of things. Let's talk personal. We're going to get to golf because man, when I go full screen and see your backdrop, that you like you have like a putting green uh, in your own house, which I've had a chance to to come and putt on. Let's talk about you. You like to create content. I asked you a question yesterday. What do you struggle with? And you're like, I don't struggle. Like I love creating content. It's passion, and and you've built it into your schedule, and it totally makes sense. Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, they struggle with finding that type of content to share about because they're not confident about it. They're they're afraid of what other people are going to think. They maybe don't get a lot of response or feedback. Mm -hmm. You found a niche with cooking with Craig and really have embraced that. You've you've jumped on Instagram. I know we've been talking a lot about, you know, putting that on a website. And I know you're working on some stuff like that, but you've created a community uh, for people to kind of, you know, cooking is one of those things a lot of people struggle with. But yeah. I want to go back. Where did that come from? Did your mom have an influence on you? Like or Jen doesn't like to cook and she handed it over to you. Like I'm not throwing her under the bus because 
I would love to be her in your house because of the yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> let's let's go back to when when did you kind of fall in love with cooking? Boy, I you know I've thought a lot about this because people have asked me even too when I do the silly cooking with Craig shows, and I think back probably to my mom. Oh, just growing up, I did a blog post recently on my blog, and I, I, I really reflected on how did I get that love of cooking, and I guess. I don't know if I loved it back then. It's just what I did. Um, my mom was uh, a hairdresser. She had four, uh, me and three boys. And sometimes she wasn't home, you know, to cook supper. God bless her. But it was like, what's for supper? You ask once, and she's going to teach you how to cook something. So it might have been just learning how to cook hamburgers. And I remember I was always like in fifth and sixth grade. I'd grill hamburgers, and I would always experiment putting potatoes and cheese in them. And I don't know. It was just a, it was kind of a, a labor of love. Um, it was more of an expectation back then for now. Um, it's kind of neat because my daughter loves to cook. And so uh, she really is a good baker. And so it's neat seeing how that's come full circle from when I was a kid to now I'm the dad and the parent and my daughter will sit down and meal plan. And it's been fun and it's been really healthy for us too, because she's kind of a health health nut. And so our recipes are, are usually pretty, pretty healthy for us. And so having my son home from college too, who, uh, you know, unfortunately has Crohn's disease and said, hey, this is probably the best I've felt in a while. It's because we eat so clean. Wow. It's just been a neat process growing up. My dad always loved to uh, love to cook as well. I probably got more of an influence from my dad, um, from him cooking. I remember just going over for big meals and he'd smoke, smoke ribs or smoke uh, a pork butt or something like that. So it's just, you know, and I, I gardening's the same way with me and cooking. And so I, I, my kids make fun of me now and you're like, you make these silly dorky videos and cooking's no fun and gardening. And I said, wait 15 years when you text me and say, or call me and say, dad, can you come over and help me with the garden or something? I really like doing this stuff. I said, it'll happen to you. It, it, it happens when you're about 45 years old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fun to look back at those moments because I don't, a lot of people, you know, maybe they ask and you don't really take time, but to like really think about that moment. Yeah. And those experiences that have built up to that where you i like what you said you you know you just kind of did it because you had to to survive because your mom was cutting hair right yeah and now it's be become one of those things where you've really you know fall in love with it and you want to share that with other people how do you take something that that you're really passionate about that you love doing and feel confident in putting that on the internet and specifically <laughs> social media like do you remember that first one where you you, I, I don't remember the first one no, where you said, yeah. welcome to cooking with Craig. You know, <laughs> you're pulling your phone out of the microwave, out of the oven. I start doing stuff like that. Like it was fun and you made cooking fun. I think that's, you've made it social, right? Yeah, and I think that's important. All about. I think I whipped up a silly cooking with Craig um, uh, background for my phone, for my Instagram story, the size, because I love using Canva. And I was just like, you know, I love creating content that people see and the one thing I need to do a better job of, I've, I've thought of professionally and just as, as you know, a person here is blogging. I love to blog and I keep making excuses about that. So that's where the Cooking with Craig blog is going to come in. And I just need to force myself to dump that out there where it's just fun to be reflective and, and, and think about stuff like that. But I think back to the first episode, I don't even know what I made and who knows how many takes when I'm holding my phone up saying, hey there, welcome to the next episode of Cooking with Craig. It's so dorky, but it's funny for me. And if I can make people smile and say, you know what, can I have that recipe or something like that? I guess it's just, you know, helping each other out. Well, and you're getting inspiration from other people and bringing that into your lens 
that you know you follow a lot of people that I don't, right? Yeah. So then yeah. I sell, I tell my wife, I tell Jess, hey, you need to be following Craig. I want to I want to eat what he's having, you know. And so then she's taking right. that and making it into her own. And I know you got a text from from a mom the other day that was thanking you, and that that's what you know as content creators you need some type of feedback. Now it probably look a lot different if no one commented, no one thought it was funny or whatever, you probably wouldn't be sharing it as much. And I think we do need that feedback yeah. um, and make that interaction. It's like we're in the kitchen with you, right? right? And we'd be laughing, asking questions and things like that. And if you can yeah. create content like that, you hit a home run, right? Yeah. And I think if you're watching this and kind of going like, how do I stand out? How do I, how do I make this unique? And, and about me, you, you curate content from other people and make it your own because there's no one else like Craig Badura, right? <laughs> And that's why I want to do this because I just want to interview people in all walks of life and, and go like, what motivates you? What gets you excited about creating content? Uh, that's food. Like I told you the other day, you took making Kool-Aid look incredible, right? <laughs> like all you do is pour it in the pitcher and drink it. And you like took it step by step. Like how did take me through that process? Well, I didn't want to do that one. And I love those. Did you catch the, the aluminum cups, right? Yeah. Growing up, that's one of my distinct memories of going to my grandma. She didn't have the pitcher though. So she had this pitcher and I was telling my family about it. It was like a big, uh, a big ball, but then it had a narrow kind of neck, but it had like flowers on it. I can remember those flowers, but then she would pour that with full, she'd make the Kool-Aid and we'd sit there and watch her and she'd stir it up and it made that sound, but then she'd always pour it in those tin or not tin, they're aluminum cups. You've seen those in the antique stores and you can buy the knockoffs on eBay or Amazon today. But I don't know, two, three years ago, my wife found a pitcher and a set of the cups. And so she bought them for Christmas, like the best Christmas present ever. And I never used them. And so on my shopping list the other day, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna buy some Kool-Aid and I'm gonna do a cooking with Craig and we're gonna make Kool-Aid and we're gonna make them these tin cups. And part of that is trying to, I love to try to get people to kind of think back. And for me, you know, I'm 48 years old. I love to think back on some of those memories of my childhood. That was just a fun one that I could, you know, relate to the people that are watching this silly cooking show and I'm making Kool-Aid. And then you made a comment and said, that was awesome. And I'm like, I was just making Kool-Aid and pouring it in these tin cups. And, and it just, I guess it was, uh, it stirred up a lot of memories and emotions. That was kind of me doing that one. That's the game. I think when you're thinking about creating content, you do that on Twitter as well, like yeah. with cereal yeah. and just movies, yeah. you know, yeah. All those memories, it 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 does. And music does that. It does. It it yeah. starts a conversation because everyone likes to reflect back on their childhood or whatever. And I yeah. think, yeah, as you get older, you do that. You know, if you're a student, that's a little bit harder, but I think you can have those conversations. But that's exactly that's a great if you're watching this, you're struggling with creating content, just ask questions about, hey, what you know, what did this experience look like for you? And I don't remember the last time I had Kool-Aid, to be honest with you, but now I'm going to go out and tell Jess to buy some Kool-Aid so we can make it right. And, and the clinging with the ice. Yeah. Superb, superb content. Caleb drank all that, that cherry in one night. It was gone. <laughs> so Danica and my wife and, and, and uh, Danica wouldn't touch it. And it's just too much sugar. And you notice my expression when I taste it, I was like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, about half the sugar. But then Caleb last and there's a picture of great Kool-Aid up there. But you know, <laughs> cooking with Craig's been tremendous. The biggest thing I think I started to, and reflecting this and when I was thinking about that, I want to add is that I struggled just with meal planning with family. I know some of you have more than two kids. 
I know wife, you might have four or five kids at home, but I just, I dreaded going to the grocery store every Sunday when I didn't know what I was going to cook for the week. Oh, let's make hamburgers this week. Let's make chicken breast and asparagus. And so literally we start setting down. My daughter is awesome about that. I'll tell her about Friday or Saturday. Hey, let's think about meal plan, meal, or the meal plan for next week. She writes it all down. I made a little template I'll put on the blog here, hopefully by the end of the week here, uh, that it's a downloadable uh, PDF that you can print off. If you print still, or you can put it in your uh, iOS device and mark it up, it's just going to be, you know, you'll have produce, vegetables, miscellaneous, and then just makes your trip to the grocery store that much easier too. But I was really struggling with that, and I just didn't know what to cook. And so now tonight, I know we're making beef and broccoli in the Instant Pot. I just look at that, got the beef out, it's ready to go tonight. That's that's huge. It's a game changer. I know probably 90% of people that are going to watch this struggle with this, so we'll clip it. <laughs> uh, and that's why you started it. And that's why it's it's providing value to other people. Right. And when you think about creating content, if you're providing value to other people, it's not about self-promotion and, and right. things like that. You're you're helping others. You know, hey, I'm struggling with this. If I'm struggling with it, I know other people are. Yeah. And there's an audience for that. So yeah. so yeah. remember that. All right. Golf. When did you learn how to golf? I know, I think when we drove up to Danabrog last spring because of the flooding, we dropped some wood off your brother. You, We drove by old course that you learned how to golf. Take yeah. us back. Let's reflect back on that. When, I guess my earliest memory going to golf course was with my stepdad. We went to Fonnerview Golf Course in Grand Island, and he must have had a tournament. And he gave me, I remember it was like two of those huge buckets of balls. And I, I, I don't know. I, the clubs are too big. I can't even tell you how old I was. I had to be in third grade, fourth grade. And so that kind of piqued my interest there. And then I remember when we moved to Danabrog, um, I guess I was just bored one summer and I saw the clubs over there and we had a dirt pile from, we had just built the house. There was still some dirt. So I thought it'd be cool to take balls up on top of the dirt pile and I would get a clump of dirt. I'd set a ball down and I took that bag of clubs that was sitting in the corner that had been used. And I was left-handed. So I would actually take the clubs and turn around backwards, so, so a left-hander. And you know how hard that is to hit old persimmon wood that has about that big of an area to try to hit the ball. ball. And so I would hit the seven iron backwards, and I I'd go however many balls there were in the bag, eight or ten. I'd go grab them, and the dog was out there with me, and then she'd go fetch them, and I and I'd hit them, and then one day I finally was like, okay, this stinks. I'm trying to, and I'm, I bat left-handed. I was so tired of trying to hit a golf ball left-handed, I made myself hit them right-handed, and it's. That's no way. And we, I remember getting a call that summer from one of my buddies saying, Hey, um, there's a big tournament called the bullpen open at Danville country club, which is probably the best. If you haven't been there, it's the best sand greens course that's left in the state. Uh, and I went out there that day and we got paid. I was set on number four green over there and you have to rate when people are done and everybody would give you a dollar 50 cents or whatever. I think <laughs> I gave 25 bucks that day as a sixth grader in 1984. And it was the best day of my life because now I had $25 of my own money. And then we just would go out there all the time and hit the ball around the pasture and there were cattle out there and, and golf's just been a part of my life since then. So it's, it's been, <laughs> it's been kind of an odd beginning, but that's, uh, that's really there. And then, you know, introducing it to my kids, I guess I thought I was a big baseball player. My wife was a big softball player. And so we thought our kids were going to be big baseball softball players. And wow. um, I don't know how Caleb, I, I, I know we bought him a set, when he was probably four and that's all that kid did in the yard was hit balls and hit balls and hit balls. And so it's been, you know, it's been a very rewarding journey. In fact, I'm thinking about I'm getting the old blog, my personal blog fired back up and talking just about, you know, those last walks down the 18 fairway with my kids. 
you know, fortunately I was able to do that as a coach. And so that was pretty neat experience seeing our kids start from, you know, a little to being able to walk down the 18 fair with, with them as they, they both were, you know, you know going to be state champions. Yeah, super unique. I mean, you guys have really made it a family thing, right? Yeah. Uh, you guys golf all together, you compete. What has that done for your family? How has it brought you guys closer? What have you learned, you know, from the game of golf? I know you're, you're all in like, hey, t- golf is something you can play for the rest of your life, yeah. right? Like basketball for me went away. Yeah. Football goes away. Uh, you'll never have that experience to kind of compete. Golf is one of those sports that, you know, it gets a lot of crap from folks because there's yeah. not you're not expending a lot of energy necessarily, right. but it is all up here, <laughs> right? I remember when I was a kid throwing yeah. my clubs with my yeah. mom when I was a kid and she got so mad at me, but it made me stronger. It made me who I am. I remember that. Yeah, you know, I never played competitively. I made fun of the guys in high school. <laughs> I was a big track guy, a sprinter, and so we'd make, oh, you guys are going to go golf, whatever, and now look at me. I'm trying to get kids to go out and trying to teach them this life sport. And so you you hit the nail on the head there with the mental piece. And, and you know, you may not think it is the most um, athletic sport, but I would, I, would, I would disagree with you. And so it, it's probably one of the most technique-focused sports that there is. That's where I think a lot of kids will come out and they struggle with it right away where, you know, reactionary sports, you can be faster than somebody. You can set a really good screen. You can hit somebody when you get mad or golf, you have a bad hole you own it. And like I tell my kids, uh, we preach in high school is that there's no, no halftime and there's no timeouts in golf. And so I come over to you have a bad hole. You have to let it go. And that's really hard for kids to adjust. But the, the biggest thing I like about golf is that it just teaches it's I think Jack Nicholson said it's like life condensed into four hours. And so you're going to have so many ups and so many downs and it's just learning how to respond to adversity. It's just, it's a game of life is what it is. And so, you know, getting our kids into it, I really didn't know what to expect. We got them on the Nebraska junior golf tour back then. Got to give a shout out to them because they do amazing things for the youth in our state and they have grown the game just exponentially with what they've done. And I think we've seen that. I was just thinking the other day with the last three or four years, the number of kids that are playing at, you know, the NAI, the Division Three, Division Two, Division One level just in the last three or four years. It's been amazing watching those kids grow up from when they were seven years old to uh, to where they're at today playing in college. And so, um, you know, it's just as a family, I always tell people at our junior golf clinic that I have every spring for our parents, and unfortunately we won't be able to have it this year, is that if how do you want your kids to – how do you get your kids, your teenage kids to spend time with you? teach them to golf. And so we never ask our kids, you want to go golf? It's always, that's our foursome. When I book a tee time, it's I play with my kids. And, and you know, Caleb does and Danica, she'll play with their friends sometimes too, but it's just, there's no better feeling than walking down the 18th period at about eight o'clock at night. Forcing them to spend time with you on a family vacation, and, and you know, fortunately, it's been hours and hours and hours of them playing with us. And uh, I don't like to practice as much as I should. And my kids tell me that's why you're not as good as you want to be. So I've learned from them, and so they've taught me. You know, you need to spend a little bit more time in your short game. You know, they, they're identifying areas that you need to put the time in. And we never really forced it on our kids either. That was the, I guess, looking back, I've, I've my wife and I have talked a lot on our walks and stuff. How did this whole thing happened with with golf and we just let them go to the game and they you know they put the time and effort in and 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 they reap the rewards for that
I love it. Sorry, I had some technical difficulties there. Can you still see hear me? Yeah, I got you. All of a sudden my camera froze. We're gonna keep it keep it rolling. Beckett walked in. He's like, Are you on a call? I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> um, but that's Taylor Talks. We're not we're not gonna keep this uh, super edited. But yeah, I mean what what you said is you can't you can't buy that experience anywhere else. And uh, it's fun to see. It's been fun to see your journey with your kids, with Caleb now at Nebraska and Danica you know, moving on to South Dakota, right? Yeah. Yep. Next next fall. And uh, what a rewarding experience. And I think that's a testament if you're a parent watching this is, you know, throw something in front of them and see if they gravitate towards it. Um, you and know, get out of the way. And get out of the way. You know, I've kicked around the, the idea of a book with my wife, nine chapters on youth golf. And I said, let's just give some advice to even parents. Not even, don't make it golf specific, make it for youth sports. You know, I guess that's what we just, we told our kids, enjoy what you're doing. Your time is precious that you have in school. So if you don't want to play all three sports, it's fine. Just focus on what you do, what you love. You know, you only have that four years in high school. So focus on what you want and get rid of the rest and and, and have fun. And, you know, I just want to throw one thing into Taylor. It's fun seeing those kids that, you know, on the back wall, back on here, we got the the, the newspaper with some of our, our state championship team there. It's cool getting texts from those kids saying, hey, coach, how you doing? You want to play golf? Or some of the comments that they made after the fact. Thanks for teaching me, you know, this game. And and, and I just had a kid uh, two years ago, last year, went out as a junior. And he said, coach, I know I'm not going to play any JVs. I know I'm not going to play any varsity. He said, I just want to be a part of the team. He said, because I want to learn the game of golf. He said, my dad has had so many business opportunities uh, to be on the golf course. He doesn't know how to golf. So he told me, go learn the game of golf. And, you know, you can, you can play it. Wow. So I'm not going to turn kids away. We had 26 last year. We had 21 this year. I don't believe in making cuts. I just want those kids to be able to, uh, to, to look back and say, you know, that was a pretty fun time we had for four years, even though I might not have been competitive. I want those, um, you know, we're just trying to grow the game and the love of the game. We're going to end it there, Craig. What a, what a great conversation. I hope you guys that are listening found value in that and whether it's life, it's cooking, creating content. That's what the goal of these conversations are and talk a little professional, more about personal and who we are and reflecting back on those moments and, and encourage other people to, to go out and share their story uh, because that's exactly what you've done. So how can people connect with you, Craig? What's the best place? I know we mentioned Instagram, Twitter, Instagram. blog. Just at Mr. Badura and then the blog is uh, craigbadura.com. Awesome. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate the time. And uh, thank you guys for watching another episode of Taylor Talks with Craig Badura. Thanks, Craig. Thanks.